Into the Nexus is a production of AMove.TV. Bookmark AMove TV for other great video games and esports podcasts. Into the Nexus is sponsored by listeners like you via patreon.com slash ITN. Welcome, everybody, to Into the Nexus. This is Into the Nexus, episode 344. I will be your host today, Kyle Ferguson, as Garrett is out of town, and we'll see you very soon. But I am joined for this episode, which became a very special episode. I'm joined by Bahamut, uh, ambassador of the CCL, caster, analysis extraordinaire. Welcome back. Thanks for having me. I'm, I'm glad to be back here. It's good to have you. We were we were going to discuss this this little project. You got small, m- tiny thing. You guys, I, it, it's amazing. Actually, I'm I'm extremely impressed. I can't even joke downplay it any further. Alone, the transitions with the flat fire effect impressed me. But the fact that you guys have long seasoned esports casters all picked out for it, a huge talent pool, which was narrowed down to a very interesting talent pool. Uh, plus, at the start of it, I don't know if you told Doa to say this, but they said rebuilding the scene for Heroes of the Storm. And I was like, ooh, bold <laughs> claim. All right. No, I, I didn't direct Doa on that at all, but um, I wouldn't say we're so much rebuilding it as just empowering it further than it already is. Like, credit where credit's due. There's so many grassroots leagues, but none that are able to just do something to this scale. Like, I, I'm sorry. Like, it, it's that's players stipends are already a big factor into all this, which is which is a big, you know, draw for a lot of people. But just the scale, the size and the amount of work and effort that's going into this is just you can't do this on a volunteer based league like a lot of them are. So with all of this, yeah, we are we are trying to make this the best we possibly can. And we want to have a killer season one so we can bring you a season two. I'm I'm thrilled about it. I think mm-hmm. it's going to be awesome. I loved watching the draft through and through the organizations coming together for it. But we will talk about that more in a little bit. But for now, before we get into it, let's thank the patrons over at Patreon.com. The reason we can have fabulous guests like Bahamut here. Patreon.com slash ITN. And thank you to our producers, Declan H, Cheesy Bob, Chris K, Mike C, and Sean B. For keeping this show rocking all the way through the ups, the downs, and the new ups of Heroes of the Storm. All right, well, it has been two weeks since the balance check, so before we do CCL, I keep before us, but we're going to mm-hmm. wait another moment. Let's talk about that balance patch that happened, because things have been a little quiet on the blue front, which is fine. It's just expect- they balanced the game, they got to go do stuff. Plus, they, uh, uh, they try to avoid promises, but they made a promise that we would get a new hero by the end of December. So I have no doubt they're a little busy over there. Overmind's not easy. I'll say that. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's the only thing left on the list, really. Now, we were I, act- will say, I, I swear, because like ages ago, and this is like they used to they used to say they had a whiteboard that had just like lists or it just had names upon names and people were adding to it constantly. And I wonder if that list just still exists. And they just look at it and they're just like, get to this soon. Just it's just it, they're limiting the amount of heroes they're putting out, but they are putting out really, really good heroes because 
looking at the previous releases into this year's releases, I think we had a lot more balanced heroes come out, realistically. Yeah, and as a, as a tank player, I am entirely satisfied. I think May really came in and shored up this busy tank that can't really hold a front line together, or at least mm-hmm. a protector back line, to the same degree as something like the ETC, even a re-engaging back Diablo. And it gave another personality in there while still throwing the kitchen sink at it without making another Johanna. I was still mm-hmm. am extremely impressed. And before that, you get Imperius, Anduin, like heroes that have actually been pretty dominant and certainly had an impact plus all the reworks year of the rework too and there's there's significantly good reworks too i mean look at and i'll bring it up now diva i mean a, yeah. a hero that was literally in any top tier player's eyes would be thrown to f tier on on a list and now we are seeing her at least during ccl exhibition weekends we had a hundred percent involvement rate from her she was either banned or picked within 36 maps and that says a lot about the changes that came into D.Va. She is, in my opinion, very, very powerful, but it also depends on the hands you have her in. Like, you can say the same thing about a, an amazing Kael'thuzad. Me playing Kael'thuzad, trash. Coffee playing Kael'thuzad, godlike. It's fascinating that we took two heroes that saw almost no popularity, well below mm-hmm. 4% inclusion in any sort of match across Storm League, and now our first band... Nobody wants, mm-hmm. to, nobody wants to see them. No one wants to play them, including Gazlo, who has taken over the top win rate. And a lot of people are saying it was too much. He jumped up by 8%, almost 9% with the buffs he received. And he just needed a little numbers tweak. Not, certainly not the massive one he received. I like the attempt, or not the attempt, but I like the direction they took this in. Because typically I think we have a lot of adjustments that come into heroes that are very light-handed. It's, it's we're going to, we're going to, ETC. Encore is a very good example of this. On PTR, it was 9%, which was like 9.6 seconds. And then they moved it to 8%, which was like 7.2 seconds. And then now we have it at like 5, which is like 6 seconds. So it's the, it's a lot of these like small adjustments. And they came into Gaslo, and I think they even noted this in their notes. They said, we wanted to utilize the buffs that we put internally, but we thought they were too powerful. And now they know, yes, those buffs are too powerful, but I think they can take it kind of like the Encore direction, and we can start doing those small little tweaks we go from 11 maybe to 10 and a half we don't have to go all the way down to like a nine on the volume or anything like that i think it's just slight adjustments for gaslow because an over tweak is just going to throw him back towards the bottom of the tier in my opinion did you see any gaslow in those tournaments y'all hosted we did have a glogan gaslow which it gave it gave some clamps it definitely gave some amazing clamps and that was a really good game and then i think it got banned out in the following matchup so we only got to see one and i think there was a couple bands onto gaslow but i've seen it in some grassroots games i've seen it in some in-houses before we even had exhibition matches and um and this is before he had those adjustments and cattle and i think epic player at the time were, were saying that he's 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 pretty all right and these heavy handed changes I see him more and more in people's streams, so definitely a devastating force in the right hand. Is he just too ground-based for heavy professional play? Everything is dodgeable, everything's got a little bit of counterplay to it. I think it's it's synergy with, with Gazlo. You need to build around him, and you need to pick a map around him, too. Uh, a map where he can't set up his turrets and can't really kind of have that priority around an objective face he can struggle a little bit but like a good example of this would be like tomb of spider queen a little bit like i feel like you you throw him in bottom lane and he sits there 
but on battlefield excuse me not battlefield infernal shrines he can you know you see where the next objective is going to be you know you can set up your turrets around there you can kind of hover in that area and you have that priority and you have that posture available so um at a top tier yes you can dodge a lot of his stuff but you also have a lot of cc that can set up you know you can have a junk rat uh steel trap and then you can throw a explodium charge underneath that or you have sleep from Alganus or sleep from Ana. there's there's a lot of synergies but i think you have to pair those together and that's really where gaslow becomes a horrific devastating force is is the pairings and the setup that he can get and the setup that he can then play off of going down the top win rate list we next come to kerrigan who my understanding is still she's still bugged and is getting a freebie level seven talent yeah so it's not good, uh, maybe not as good as the win rate su- suggest if we fix that it bug. Might, it might be a little inflated because uh, it was basically it's it's percent based damage to minions, if I'm not mistaken. And you're you're just getting uh, the ability to clear things faster. And I'd have to double check on this, but I think that would also impact you on Infernal Shrines on the Skeletal Defenders. So you might be able to burn through those quicker. And that's also a map where she's highly popularized on because of well her ability to kind of like sonia solo the objective phase so quickly so i think it's a little inflated there might be some people who might be exploiting some uh features of heroes of the storm um once once that gets dialed in i think she might kind of like level out more towards the middle of the road as expected it's nice to see her though in general melee assassins aren't exactly in every game we had a we had a lot of Kerrigan play in the like first week of exhibition. I think we had to ban her out in the second week because that's when the nerf came out. It might have been third, not a hundred percent, but either way, um, a, a, what I remember specifically is is Nick on Kerrigan. They had this amazing blink ultralisk into the backline Anna. So I'm I'm excited for CCL because Nick did get drafted, and when Kerrigan is a little bit more. Um, Feels like actually playing in in the Nexus and not you know utilizing new features in the Nexus. Uh, I, I'm hoping to see a lot more uh, Kerrigan play specifically from Nick. But even jumping around, I know we're talking about CCL and stuff like that. But uh, you know we have people like Fury who build these compositions where they're highly dive based, burst based with these Kerrigan. So I definitely think I think I think we're going to be seeing her a lot more even in CCL, but still even in the Nexus itself. Well, she makes perfect sense in those environments. She's so mm-hmm. snappy. She can make a decision so fast and execute upon it. The problem is, as, as a tank player, there's a high chance I will ruin whatever you're about to do with my own face melts and Diablo pushes and everything else. In fact, that was one of our biggest hurdles in getting Kerrigan online for NGS team with Breakwood was mm. the two of us having to coordinate who's doing what when. And then you also got coffee on the team doing Kel'Thuzad and Alarak business. <laughs> Everyone would miss everything if we didn't talk. I will say this, that, uh, and I think that's why the Kerrigan, Uther, Ana is such a popular combo, because you don't really have a lot of anti-synergy. Realistically, your anti-synergy is that you overlap your CC and you're not getting full value out of it. But like, if you're able to Hammer of Justice, Sleep Dart, Kerrigan combo, or you know, you can do the first two in any order, realistically, if you can layer those very well, that is, that, that's such a good synergy that doesn't really anti-synergize outside of, as I said, just overlapping cc too much so if anyone wants to try and run more kerrigan i highly recommend you know get up get two friends and do uther kerrigan uh anna because that's of, terrifying speaking of uther mm-hmm. he's up and i've heard people talking about radiance build and that it's actually hmm. totally super cool but i also hear that uther has lost all his power and nerf so i have no idea where this guy is off to right now 
he's kind of he's still played in the same way i feel like i still feel like i see him in the main tank supplementary support role well judging by how many uh how many tanks were picked up for some of these games (laughs) uh we're gonna see some uh, some uther uh, other than that, if we're looking at the top yeah. one, we've got Rexar, Deathwing, which is kind of nice to see Deathwing sort of making a bit of a comeback, even though he got a little bit of a retool, he still went up with it. And then May still hanging out where she is, which I think is perfectly fine, given that she's really, really good at healing herself. And when we deal with all the low leagues in one big snapshot, tanks that can take care of themselves do pretty well. Now, the bottom of the barrel... Some of them not even touched by this balance patch. And I gotta go straight to Thrall here. Poor guy, do you know what's going on? Just outclass, just kind of rotten on the vine, maybe? Not, not updated recently enough to keep up? I don't know, because I don't think he's a bad hero whatsoever. He seems fine. <clears throat> Excuse he's, me. he's a great off-tank. He has amazing percent-based abilities. I love having him. Do you know, do you know what it might be? Excuse me, one second. All right, sorry about that. I didn't want to just cough no, on the mic. You're but, good. You're good. So the one thing that I've been seeing more and more is actually Thrall's picking up Crash Lightning, like, it, and not like oh, it's one or two, but I've seen it like in f- four games at least in the last month. So that's just mm-hmm. weird because I rarely see it. So maybe it's just Thralls are being picked up and they're 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 being played differently. Maybe that's it because that's the only thing I can really think of. Um, I have seen some thralls move away from the echo of the elements and more towards the rolling thunder at level one for that one v one. But I wonder if it's if it's a mispick. Like I wonder if people are seeing top tier players take that, but they're not realizing that people are taking rolling thunder for specific one v one matchups because it's percent based damage off your autos that you heal off of. So like rolling thunder into Deathwing is great because you're getting percent based damage off of their their total health pool and you're getting healing from that as well. But most People, I feel like they'll, they'll take that because it's popular and they're just 1v1ing into Urel or, you know, it's like Malfeel or something that's not going to get that much value. So I just don't know. Maybe it's the play style isn't as defined as it used to be. That's that's my only kind of thought on the matter from what I've seen in competitive grassroots and my own experience. Yeah, I do wonder if not necessarily that our games are shorter. There hasn't been any sort of issue with that. But I wonder what maybe the Gladiator's Medallion's done to Roots hmm. and Thrall losing, because it's such a setup. Thrall yep. usually out near that front. Tank is dealing with some other stuff, doing peeling. But Thrall's like this guy. And they go for it. They start what will be a CC chain and it breaks off before it begins and his win rate plummets. I think that could be a possibility. You know, Sundering might be mitigated too much and people are afraid of taking it because of the medallion. So they take Earthquake and it's just not getting the Frostwolf resilient procs that they need to sustain during a fight. That's a possibility as well. Yeah, I didn't think about the fact that Gladiator's medallion could affect Thrall's setup in general. Going from the bottom, we got Medivh, Dahaka, Sergeant Hammer, Genji, Nova, Hanzo, all your favorites, not necessarily bad, just the ones that tend to hang out in the bottom of the win rates. But Alex Straza receiving a buff, heads down 2%, becoming the lowest win rate support in the game. Healer, excuse me. She, I don't think there's just any play into her at all. Like, I feel like no one really op- goes for the Alex Straza 
And maybe it's because we have a bit of a resurgence from Chromie. Maybe it's because the healing circle is so counterable or, hey, I'm putting a target on the ground and Junkrat's very viable. I can throw I can throw a concussion mine and force you off that. So maybe it's just that she's so counterable with her healing circle that people are turned away and they're like, well, I could be Lucio and just hit, you know, W, E and Q and I'm fine. It's very easy to wall ride and just, you know, amp it up when I need to amp it up or Decker Kane, just, you know, you throw potions out on a, you know, that's, that's a lot harder skill shot based hero. But I think there's just so many easier and more friendly supports out there that people would gravitate to. I mean, me as a new player, if I came in this game, Lucio Anduin would be an easy pickup for me because even Anduin, a new healer in this game, is extremely user-friendly and you understand how he works, I'd say, within the first few minutes of a game. You made an interesting point there. And actually, thinking about the reworks, we could even take it back further and say something like Imperius, but mm -hmm. Tassadar, Chromie, Gazlo, Diva, all of which are rather horrible for people who want to stand in one area for any period of time. May too. Blizzard. Yeah, May, yeah. Ice wall, avalanche. I mean, yeah, there's, 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 uh, even then, even look at ETC with the changes onto Encore. You don't want to be anywhere stacked up mm -hmm. for Encore because five times five is 25 seconds off of your, off of your, uh, heroic. And then if they, everyone gets bounced again by the boom box, that's 50 seconds total. Currently with the, with our current, excuse me, no, it, that'd be 60 seconds because it's there, it'd be, it's, it's six seconds per face melt hero hit. So, yeah, I, I think I think there's definitely some viability with with our current meta, with the current changes and what's currently popular for Alex Straza to be on this lower end. I, it, it absolutely makes sense to me. I think ETC is just in a fabulous place. I am picking all the level 13s yeah. right now. I'm not only an mm -hmm. encore man. Sometimes I want the slow. I got a Phoenix on the team. Sometimes I want the pushback. It resets. And his nerf did take him down 2.5%. But it's fine i mean the armor but in the buildings is where i feel it but otherwise i like that change he's still super popular he's a, a nice comfort pick regardless I, I think he's a great hero still and the slight tuning is probably just necessary with the popular the popularization of etc with the encore i think that really pulled him up so now we're kind of seeing that leveling factor come in now that we're kind of dialing that back down to a more reasonable percent most of our buffs were successful this previous patch. Uh, Mephisto and Tychus being ones who actually went down, which, in my opinion, makes perfect sense. Not a lot of people play in those. People see buffs. They go, ooh, they head into game. They're not good. And they go, oh. <laughs> and the hero goes back to those that can play them already. I'm curious. What are your thoughts on Tychus? Because he had that whole, not rework per se, but uh, readjustment of, of talents and stuff. Any thoughts on it? Because I've just been seeing that press the advantage at level one for everybody who's taking him. I think Tychus is an awesome hero. I love his kit in relation to what it can do in the other jobs. Yeah, it, It's not very good at Merc Camps, obviously, but it can do a good amount of lane clear. And you can pressure those tanks if you are properly supported in terms of tanks and healers and everybody watching your butt. I just think he's much like Vala and Falstad and anyone with those shifts, his, okay. whole, his whole balance and survivability is based around that one dash. And once that's done, he's a tank plaything. They're going to get him. They're going to isolate him. He's going to go down very quickly. That's fair. Yeah. Once you burn your mobility, and it's very fair to say this about anybody, I mean, like Genji, 
you know, you swift strike in, you don't get the kill and there's no reset. You have no deflect. It's like, uh, hey, guys, what's going on? Like, but yeah, no, it's I, I agree with you because. It's it's kind of 50 50. I, I think like Tychus is still just in an OK spot, but maybe the the adjustments brought him down because people are just still picking the things they want to pick rather than adjusting to what's been in, well adjusted. Well, and so much of what he does when he's in a good balance spot is that little bit of solo lane, little bit of lane clear that he can handle. But I think because of that percent base, which is on such a short cooldown, people don't stop fighting when we look mm-hmm. at the greater leagues altogether. And with Mephisto, I really expected to see a huge explosion of his root talents, particularly the 20 that now silenced on contact. It's a really cool shot call. It's a really cool way to instigate a fight. But people have adjusted. I know my teams in High Diamond, a Mephisto teleports everywhere. Everyone just disappears <laughs> to the wind. Everyone's looking for that shade, seeing where it was. Yeah. Check the bushes. Nobody's really trying to do the hide inside the ring so you're not touched by it. People are like, I'll take a couple hits, but I'm going to find that shade. <laughs> That's actually interesting that people are, are, are diving um, for it rather than just kind of running away as, as, as we've seen. So... Uh, that's a nice adjustment. I've because I've seen a couple people. I'm like, okay, are you just gonna literally run in the ring and then they just turn around and they can find the kill into them? But we'll we'll have to see. We'll have to see if that if that sticks because playstyles constantly change. And if Mephisto really can start to find those shade of Mephisto like big bursts or not big bursts, but um big root spreads, then you really I think the the plays will be insane from the Mephisto players. But we'll have to actually see that happen. We had a lot of just, like, talent rework, talent incentivization stuff, and basically all of them were, as you would expect, successful to 0.2%. Diablo, Deathwing, Uther, Jaina, Sylvanas, Tassadar all went up slightly, or in Jaina's case, moved not at all. Uh, seemed like a healthy adjustment. Did any of those stand out to you? Nothing crazy for me, realistically. I think I think we we had some just slight fine tuning on these heroes, but it was nothing that really stood out to me where I was like, oh, God, that puts them in a completely different realm. When it came to nerfs, Shogal went down nine percent and rightfully so. But you're shaking your head. Were you not ready for that? Rightfully so. I know you're a bit of a Chogall fan you, you, as a I'm, caster. I'm 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 physically upset that they would that they would they would nerf Gaul as hard as they did. Really? Because. Because it's it's the and maybe and this is also just me because I'm a Gaul player, but they nerfed basically what was the most popular talents on the Dread Orb, which is, you know, you get the cooldown reduction, you get the you get the damage increase, you or that's not the right order, but then you get the leaden orb, which has that big, big stun. And I think the stun was nerfed. Like everything that was fun within that that build right there was nerfed and pulled down. A couple people to me said that like he still plays the same, but like I I, I like this nine percent speaks volumes to me and I'm just sad by it. That's all. It is extreme <laughs> given that that player base is very dedicated. It's not one of these like the Tychus where we can say, well, people became curious. No, it was a yeah. nerf. It's not like anyone was like, whoa, Chogal got nerfed. I can't wait to play that. I'm, mm-hmm. Let's start it up today. It, yeah, I, when it comes to the Cho side, too, I think he just mostly had his sustainability and fights nerfed. So I think he had like armor reduction. I think he had like some healing reduction on some talents and stuff like that. So it's just overall, you can't be Cho Gaul, which is you want to be in the fight and be a nuisance. And maybe they're just trying to force us to play more towards what is Cho Gaul, which is a late game type hero. Maybe the talents need to go back towards, you know, our runic bomb blast sort build and 
being able to just constantly heal off the minion wave and heal off of heroes around us and auto attack heal and stuff. So maybe maybe just the the talent diversity has to be revisited again. But at least with me, they took away my favorite build, and that's why that's why I'm I'm just upset about that. It was it was turbo oppressive <laughs> when, was, when losing. It was awful. It yeah. was awful to lose against. Fun as hell to play. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure you're just walking anywhere you want. You don't care about buildings. You don't care about heroes. It was it was it was an impressive display. Mm-hmm. Where do you land on the honor grenade business? Because she did go down two point six percent. She was first pick. She was yeah. definitely one of those early bands and still is. But people are all trying to solve the puzzle of the grenade. And if we can find a place where it's just happier. I believe it was it was tuned down, if I'm not mistaken, correct? It, it, so it was just like the healing buff was was tuned down. And the healing ner- the healing debuff was was tuned down as well. So you the, just you the duration of it. So we're duration, still at a, excuse me. We're yes. still at 100 okay. percent, but it doesn't um, last quite as long. I think it's I think that's that's a it's a good that's a good direction to take it in. Um I, I would have leaned one way or the other. You either go duration or you go percent based. And um and that was kind of the argument that I used to make with the e, when when ETC Encore came out. I was sitting there and I was just like, we need to find a happier meeting medium with this this cooldown reduction, or it needs to not have you know, you can either have the face melt cooldown reduction from the face melt, but not the boom bot. Like there had to be one or the other. And I think this is a good direction to take it in because Duration is one thing, and here's the storm presents another. And duration in a team fight speaks volumes. A two second route versus a one second route are it can spell absolute disaster for an entire team. Like a good example of this is actually Medallion versus um, Malfield's level thirteen, I think it is, where he can self cleanse. That's a one second self cleanse versus a two second. And a two second in a match I was casting, there was three forms of CC that hit Malthiel and that one extra second allowed him to miss the other two forms of CC that would have killed him. So I think the duration is a good direction to take it in percent would have really just kind of, it's like, cool. It's all right. So it's just a little bit of percent change, but I think the, the duration is the right call. Huh? I wonder if that talent, like with gladiators medallion went up in win rate because now everyone goes, I know what a second feels like. Just wait. <laughs> all right, fire. And then he keeps going keeps yeah. getting that unstoppable it's got a i've always liked it it's got a cool flavor on it that it removes the various marks around you so you're a little exposed mm-hmm. or have to at least reapply them if you want to continue to teleport around yeah it's 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 a popular talent but i've seen even more pop it's like it's like urel with with seraphim at level 20 i mean you basically have two self cleanses and then if you go hand of freedom you've got more and yeah you know you know, the URL things, as right, we all right, know. Well, and speaking of URL, uh, she did go down a little bit as we continue to Good. mess with that level one talent and try to decide what we're going to do with the overall kit, which does feel like it's kind of pushing her towards some rework territory. URL is just such a beast, honestly. It, it's just hard to talk positive or negative about her because it's the same thing I said about Diva or Gazlo earlier. In the right hands, like a Vespertine, it, it's a god. In the, in the hands of my own, I can push people around, but I'm not going to be able to casually 1v4 pop my... Uh, not a holy... I can't think of a Avenging Wrath. No. Ardent I'm blanking Defender? On the, the, the Thank healing you. Thing? I, was com- I was completely blanking on the heroic, but yes. So you, you literally you pop Ardent Defender, 1v4, pop your Hand of Freedom, mount up with Divine Steed, and run out of there. I literally saw Vesper do this in Season 2 of CCL. It was absolutely insane. So he, it's just, it's such a hard hero to be like, they're good, they're bad. They're just kind of like, oh, it's your L. The only failed nerf, if you want to call it that, was Imperius, who went up by almost 1%. 
probably because those non-true Imperiuses left, and we were left with the good ones, I guess. But I am curious if the Sammy and Tracer nerfs, which both did about 2%, 3% respectively, I wonder if those are maybe people getting ready for, for y'all's tournament. Those are high-class, busy heroes that can be oppressive. I honestly don't know. Like, those are the two heroes that I looked at this list earlier, and I was like, I didn't reach out to my Samuro main, and I haven't talked to any Tracer mains. Like, I really don't know where it sits for those heroes. Like, Cho Gall, like that one, immediately I had friends who were just like, we played at Bahamut. This is how it's feeling. I was like, thank you for the report. Thank you. But like, Samuro, I haven't checked in on, and Tracer as well. Those are heroes that are very, very niche in a sense, or at least... um. It, it comes down to the actual players who are grabbing them. Like uh, a Zergling, you, you see that, you're like, cool, Zergling might grab it. Monkey, they're going to grab it, you know, Samuro. Or you see Lutano, it's like, cool, we might see a Tracer. But it just ever since we had these changes, we didn't get to see any of those in CCL or even in my own, even in my own game. So I don't know. <laughs> Just taking a quick minute to thank this week's sponsor, Bombas Socks. You should go check them out over at bombas.com slash nexus. We'll tell you why in a second, but if you haven't heard us talk about Bombas in the past, they make the most comfortable socks in the history of feet. They've rethought every little detail about the socks we wear to make them more comfortable. Listen, they've given me socks. They've sent some to Kyle. These are the most comfortable socks we've ever put on our feet. I myself opted for quite a few pairs of their dress socks because frankly that's where i need the most help dress shoes are so uncomfortable and the bomba socks they really help they're they're so stylish they're super comfortable and the quality is top notch but it gets better than that because they do more than just keep your feet cozy they help give back to the most vulnerable members of our community because for every pair of socks you purchase, Bombas donates a pair to someone in need. And the generosity of Bombas customers has allowed them to donate over 34 million pairs of socks and counting through their nationwide network of 3,000 plus giving partners. So go check them out, get some comfortable socks for yourself and feel good while you're doing it because you can give a pair when you buy a pair and get 20% off your first purchase at bombas.com slash nexus. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash nexus for 20% off your first purchase. We thank you for going to bombas.com slash nexus and uh, we thank them for supporting us and for you for supporting the companies that support us here at Into the Nexus. Thanks. Back to the show. Well, let's get to that meat and potatoes because we've been okay. we've been dancing around it. Thank you for joining me for the the wrap up here. I'm excited to see where all this goes. Uh, I, I would expect we're going to get another balance patch. Probably we're more on more of a uh, four week cadence, if you will. So we're probably going to be waiting a little bit to see what they change up. But it'll certainly affect as things get into the CCL. So if you were to tell the people what the CCL is, how would you go about doing it? They, they don't know a thing. Oh, God, that's that's a that's a mouthful right there. Uh, the easiest way to say this is the Hero CCL is an initiative put forward by Heroes Hearth. And the goal was to. Well, put more into the Heroes of the Storm esports scene. We have our grassroots league that we all literally respect. We love them. We we acknowledge them. We worked with them. They They've worked with us as well. But we want to take the scene to the next level that we possibly can. So the CCL has player stipends per player. We have 
eight organizations who drafted six players each. And I know you're saying, Bahamut, Heroes of Storm has five players in it. Yes, that's why we're a little bit more unique. We have six-player rosters where these players can be rotated in and out freely. So you could have a game where you have June and 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 Hyde playing on the same team together and they're running this double support and they're just, you know, the next game they could swap in a different player from their roster. So it, there's a lot of uniqueness with this, as well as the fact that it's running for 12 weeks. We have an initial stipend for every single player. So every single player gets a monthly stipend where they're getting, I believe, $600 a month, if I'm not mistaken. I have to double check on that number. That sounds right to me, what I remember. And so... um so there's that. And then on top of that, there's also a prize pool that's generated from the community. So we have a community prize pool that you can donate to through Matcharino, which we announced yesterday. And uh, you can go there and you can donate. Obviously, I know people are like, what about merch and all of that? We hear you and we are talking about it. I'm pushing everyone for it, but we also have to get the league kicked off, too. So but first things yeah. first. Yeah. That's not, that's not, if but, anything, it'd be freakier, much like the Disney movies yeah. that come out with merch ready. You know, that's a bad movie. Because we're, we're, we're trying to do everything right first, and then we're going to look at all the other cool exactly. stuff that we can do. Once once we have our feet on the ground and we're not like slightly leaning to the side with all of the weight of everything, we're like, cool, let's talk. Like, Because our graphics people are absolutely swamped trying to get everything ready. But when they start to you know have free time, yeah, we'll start looking at T-shirts and stuff. But regardless, moving off right, of that. But, but like, like Star Wars, for Christmas, sell pieces yes. of paper that say you will receive a CCL <laughs> jacket when they're ready. Oh, yeah. No, <laughs> but uh, uh, for the for the for the monetary breakdown, for anyone that is wondering, 60 um, percent of that prize pool goes back towards the players. And if I'm not mistaken, first place takes 40 percent of that 60 percent. So there's a significant prize pool in there on top of a player stipend. And that's why I keep saying I respect and I love the grassroots leagues. And we're just trying to elevate this entire esports scene further. And that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to put money to this because people want to be paid they want to they want to have all of that showmanship and be you know i'm first place i'm taking home this much money so there's that there's there's just so much to it and we're really really excited to be bringing these matches and on the note of the matches just kind of wrap up my little bit about ccl these are going to be two best of fives per day and it'll be saturday and sunday run so every single saturday during the regulation season which starts uh let me double check the date so I have it correct. November 7th and 8th, it'll be two best of fives per day, four best of fives per weekend. It's exciting. It's, it's, exci it's really, really, really exciting for the amount of content, the amount of Here's the Storm action we have. Oh, it's going to be a good time. That's all I can tell you. I mean, you guys are you're going for the weekends. You are capturing that Saturday morning cartoon feeling we had with HGC. It was on when I got up on the Pacific Coast, and it's just what yep. was on all day. There is yeah, there, there is something that happened really soon this this weekend, in fact. Yeah, we have our icebreaker tournament this weekend, and it's a little different from the regulation season. And we wanted to give the players an opportunity and the organizations as well to have fun. Like this is not for league standings. There's no points. There's no money. This is just for bragging rights as well as just to test the waters uh, if a team feels like a good example is there is there was one of the round robin phases i want to say it was for um for like one of the last hgcs at blizzcon and i remember there's an interview with one of the i want to say it was gen g players and they were like they were running like a butcher and they won the game with butcher and in the interview they were like we haven't even shown anything we've prepped for this for this tournament so while 
people can come in and, and try things. There's also people who can come in and say, or players, excuse me, and they can be like, we just want to just have fun. We're not going to show a single thing that we have prep because we already believe that we're better than you. And these are going to be a best of threes as well. So it's it, we, we, we've got a lot of good content because Saturday is going to be four best of threes and Sunday will be two best of threes and a best of five grand finals. All for bragging rights, just to get things going. All for bragging rights to get things going. A lot of people are saying that I should make a bandit trophy and I might try and do something like that. But uh, we'll, we'll see. We'll, we'll see. <laughs> I might try and make some sort of meme to give to the organization so they can have something to brag about. And we'll see. I mean, maybe, you know, season two rolls around. We have another icebreaker. The winner of that, you know, they have to pass it on to the new winner. Who That's knows? True. But... You know, a little uh, haphazard, maybe some hot glue hanging off and yeah. whatnot. It's, it's messy, <laughs> but it really symbolizes that this is just for fun. It's just a bunch you of pinecone hot glued together. Yeah. yeah, but you have to keep it because it's going to be passed around yeah. on the next CCL. Not to get oh, ahead absolutely. of you guys. Not to get ahead of you mm-hmm. guys. No, I, I'm, I'm, already, I'm already writing an email to, to Workhorse about this, and I just need like $4 to go to the craft store. Perfect. <laughs> One question I have about the six-player roster. Are you guys drafting in-game? Do they know ahead of time who all the players yes. are? Okay. Yes, we did. We, we talked to the organizations about this because it was actually... It was one of the things that we talked with them very, very early on is just how they wanted this to work. And we all agreed unanimously, like even when we proposed this, we said, how do you want this to work? And it is it's going to function this right. The lobby will start for, let's say, Infernal Shrines. It'll be map number one. You've got your your core five Chili Mountain roster going up your core five sidestep kings. Just looking, I'm looking at the list right now. So let's just say Mysticles and Hyde are not playing from those two teams. So that's game number one. Uh, Chili Mountain wins it, so Sidestep Kings opt for map pick priority. They choose to take us to Cursed Hollow. Let's say this time, at this time when the lobby is being made, that is when they can swap in a new player on both sides. And they don't have to technically say anything, if I'm not mistaken. I think the admins have to be aware of this on our our end, but I don't think they have to say anything to the opposing team. It's on them to literally read the lobby and see everyone in there. And then we go into draft. And for anyone wondering, like, oh, just cancel draft and swap someone out. No, we, we agreed on that. There is no shenanigans like that where you can do all of your draft, drop someone out, and then swap someone in for, you know, oh, it's going to be Hyde on this. And, oh, no, instead it's going to be Got Filth on this. So it's, it's, th- there's none of that shenanigans. It's very straightforward. And we felt that it'd be too cheesy. And while it does inject a lot of chaos, it just didn't seem fair and right for the Yeah, I, I agree. Because... If that were the case, what I would do with my sixth fifth is grab someone who only plays one hero, whether that's <laughs> Greymane, Lee Ming, just whatever, just so I can throw a ban. They don't know. I might, I might run. I might run it. That's absolutely part of it. Um, a good example of this. I'm just skimming through the list of players that were drafted, um, and I'm just trying to look at something that's common. Uh, let's say, let's say Simplicity swaps in Hosty in one of their games. Excuse me, not Hosty, Noah. Noah is actually an insanely strong uh, Hanzo player during the exhibition weekends. I think they had a Hanzo game where they had 100,000 heroic damage and the closest on the opposing side was roughly 60,000. There was wow. a 40,000 to 30,000 heroic damage deficit between and that Hanzo had significant kills. It wasn't like they just dumped damage into the enemy team tank or anything. They had kills that came with that as well and they had a very strong game. So it's little things like that where I think teams have done that a little bit. You know, Noah, they might get a, a priority ban onto Hanzo. You know, you swap Vesper in for someone else, maybe. Vesper's going to have that pull ban onto Urel. So there's a lot of definite players like that. Like, Nick's a good example, too. Nick can be swapped in and out, and that's a Kerrigan ban, definitely, especially after the exhibition weekend plays that he made. 
Well, leading up to this draft, and I thought the entire production was amazing, and it was a very interesting concept to see in real time. I remember Udall being on Twitter, being like, I don't know. I'm really nervous that I, I could get put into a bad team. And he became an organization leader, which was a really cool advancement of that idea. He basically said, well, I'll be the father figure then. I'll be the one to make sure everyone's having a good time. Did, where did these teams come from? Were they, you got fan as well. So clearly someone else who knew people was ready and maybe in a time in their career where they wanted to take on an organizational role. But there's a lot of people I don't know. Well, I, I, I guess my question to you is, is what would you like to know about them? Yeah, <laughs> that's, well, well, that's what I can offer. Yeah, where, where did uh, I, I'm, a, I'm aware of Chili Mountain and they run their oh, various sorry, okay. organizations and their uh, tournaments. But like, where did these various organizations come from? Where'd you find them? Sorry. OK, I misunderstood the question. Now I, I get you. Um, so what happened is for the actual organizations we put out before the play, I think the player apps went out like a little bit after the org apps. And what we did was we just collected information. We had. I think over 40 organizations apply and uh, specifically Jules, Brasky and Workhorse sat down with every single one of them and did an interview. And then I would actually watch a lot of the VODs like I'd be working and doing drafting uh, for my main job and I'd just have a VOD on and I'd be listening to what the interview questions are. And we just vetted them that way. We asked about what their goals were, what they want to do for the players, what they have planned, like just all of this stuff. And we just we looked at it and we and we had to go through that entire list and say who is going to represent the league in the best way, who has got the most motivation for Heroes of the Storm, and who is invested into Heroes of the Storm. So a good example, Wildheart Esports, Goon. Goon is someone who's been in the background of Heroes of the Storm, but they've actually had a lot of they've done a lot in the in Heroes of the Storm. There's there's something that used to be called Bush League, which was kind of the beer league, if you will. And it was actually casted by Cat Peach and I a couple of times, and it was just there for fun it was you know the it was very fight clubish in some some rights but goon also did a lot of coaching in the hgc days in the background as well so they've got a lot of great history and a, a lot of great knowledge and wildheart if i'm not mistaken also has a friend you know he's he used to be a hero he used to be a little physio but um they they are also helping out with uh, wildheart as well if i'm not mistaken so they they have it's it's not only who the organization is, but it's it's who's actually working with them as well. Like Hero Physio working with Wildheart Esports, that's that's massive for an organization, if I'm not mistaken. So it's a lot of those little things, and it's also people who are in the community. You know, we all know Michael Udall, we all know Fan, and a lot of us know Turk. But in all seriousness, Turk had one of the top interviews, in my opinion. Like Turk was prepared, he had answers for everything. He was like he had directions. So it's a lot of that. It was just. We sat there and we interviewed everyone and we looked and said, you know, who who wants to do this and who's going to be able to put the most into this and who deserves a shot. And so that's that's how we ended up getting all of our organizations. And it was a wild time, but definitely a lot of amazing, invested, very, very. Just. Great people in general, like I, I can't talk highly enough about all of that. I know there are a couple names thrown around in the draft, too, that. Most of them have a coach already picked out. Granite Gaming has Bad Benny. Yeah. Like they had they had Bad Benny locked in, I want to say a month ago. So yeah, it's 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 crazy. Like I think uh Chili Mountains already got theirs. Uh I'm trying to think. I think Crowd Control might have one. I'm not a hundred percent. I think Wildheart does as well. 
Well, the draft really showed how thoroughly the various organizations had thought out what sort of team they wanted to put together. And it wasn't a surprise, but I was noticing just how many teams led with a tank pick. It makes sense to me. And that was actually made sense to Doa, Grubby, and I when we were casting this or when we were talking about it during the actual draft show. The first, the first literal four picks were Fury Cattle, Justing, and Lobber. It's, it's hard to honestly argue against those decisions. Like, I, I, I looked at the first round picks and I'm just like, yeah, this makes sense to me. There's one or two where I'm just like, maybe if I was an org, I would prioritize one or two things differently, but it still is those ex pros those those top tier tank players and those players that have really not left they've been here f- for forever like fury still played post hcc cattle was here and there dipping toes but still stuck around um justing i can't talk to lobber though i mean literally streams going through ranked with one hand or playing with their feet i'm not i'm not i'm not even kidding there's actually streams of lobber playing here's the storm with their feet and winning games like, no, he, how do you not draft yeah. that as a tank i believe he made it to platinum right before he had to kind of say all right all right uh, let's 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 at least take away this uh strategy i've given myself mm-hmm. the other half of the teams though still picked experienced people everybody wanted someone experienced but it was yeah. interesting that like hasuab's prismatic nick we're all more based around the idea that they were so good or they were so aggressive or so pick getting that we mm-hmm. could build a team around them. And every, they're basically shot callers in the fact that they're assassinating so hard. Well, it's actually a good conversation that I think a lot of the orgs came in with as well is there's there's in-game leaders and there's shot callers. And, I, and we and we kind of heard a little bit of a They didn't really define this, but it is something that I started to kind of grasp that I think the orgs already had in mind. Like shot callers are one thing and there's there's. In-game leaders are another, like being able to shot call and just and call things around the map. Cool. That's awesome. Like we're going to go here. We're going to do this. But in-game leaders just they, they provide a little of that supplemental stuff where, you know, the tank is, is, is directing the overall what you should be doing, what the game plan is. But that in-game leader like Prismaticism is a good example. Who's playing Sylvanas in exhibition weekends? They're going to say, you know, the tank's like we're looking for a fight. Prismaticism says I got Haunting Wave. And it, let's say they have Festering Wounds and they've got um, the level one questing talent as well on Furling Shadows. Hearing that, that means that the entire team knows, all right, our damage is going in. And that's a, a very good in-game leader. So I like this because they also, in talking to Oxygen Esports Draft, they picked up Red Robot, who's an amazing community main tank. And they're a great shot color as well. So I think there's a lot of the synergies between in-game leader and shot color that we're seeing blended in these teams and these drafts. That was an interesting one. Oxygen Esports went for their tank almost last. Yeah. And uh, at least a name that's unknown to me. I'm not mm-hmm. really sure much about Red Robot. We're, so d- does that mean that they don't house the shot caller mentalities needed for an early pick? Or were they just sort of unknown enough that they felt safe taking it later? Hmm. I think it's one of those things that they wanted. They wanted a priority onto a few stronger heroes and then i think they maybe wanted to be able to pick someone to give the opportunity to grow because not not that red robot's bad but they prioritized prismaticism then they then they got nasmus then they got banana and those are all just top tier players like nasmus in the solo lane has made a name for themselves banana banana's lucio is something that will ever forever stick in my mind it's the most hyper aggressive lucio and it's actually inspirational to be like oh assassins or excuse me 
healers can be this like kind of harassment assassiny. Like, okay, I like this. So I think that's why we were seeing that. And that's why we're also seeing like Madara, Red Robot, and Cascon, if I'm not mistaken, are all community members. And I really like Oxygen's direction with that. They're they're picking up strong players that can amplify and teach and help these community members, or I, maybe, I don't want to say it, uh, the connotation doesn't uh, align with it properly, but like these lesser players, like obviously Prismat, Naz, and, and Banana are all above these other three, and I think they can all grow together, and I think that's the direction o- Oxygen took that one, at least. Well, and that's something we saw later on, and particularly the six picks, was just someone they hungry. And mm-hmm. I like that idea. It, it reminds me of uh, something they do here in Oregon hospitals, which is they have the doctors and then the doctors in training all inhabiting one facility so okay. that the higher up doctors don't lose their curiosity and their passion for what they're exploring. And I can see why you get all these old pros together. They've got, they've got all their old ideas. They're... Mm-hmm. They know they're good. They know they're successful. And no one's questioning what they're up to. No one's saying, why? Why would you do that? Could you, could you explain to me who doesn't understand why you take that talent? And in doing so, you force someone to say, well, you know what? Maybe, maybe I've been kind of lazy about that. Maybe, maybe I will think about this thought. Maybe I can take Leap Sonia. Yeah, no, I get it. I get it, Kyle. <laughs> That's actually highly topical. What, what, what's going on? I, I play with Garrett. He leaps yeah. 90% of the time. Me what's, too. What's the problem with Leap? Uh, according to AZ Jackson, there is no I problem saw, with Leap. I saw, I, I was actually reading through that I, just before we started the podcast. I don't know what people have against Leap. I get that Wrath of Berserker, more damage, blah, 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 CC reduction, all that cool stuff. But there's nothing better than just to, to leap from the front line onto the Ana spear and then just kill her and then spin through the entire team healing back up. Like, what's wrong with that? Here's the Storm community. Tell me. I don't honestly a <laughs> wrath of the berserker and pages both of you yeah the, the, the wrath of berserker Sonya is invisible to me as tank because you're off doing your own thing maybe in another lane yep. maybe in my team fight but I don't care about your CC reduction I don't care mm-hmm. about your damage output I'm just happy you're spinning on them and you're soaking something that I'm not but leap I'm like all right Sonya get in there thanks for helping mm-hmm. out I really appreciate the chaos delete I, I'm on the same page as you. Like, there's been a couple of Sonyas who go poison spear, and I'm sitting there like, yeah, here we go. <laughs> and then it's just like, Wrath of Berserker, I'm like, I hate you. I'm not casting your team again. No, it's, it, I, I agree with you. Like, I get why people don't take leap. I absolutely get the whole things. But I think you said that I- exactly. Like, some people are just like, cool, you pop Wrath, whatever. I'm still just going to walk into your backline. I really don't care. So, I don't, it's. <sighs> Here's 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 my two cents to the community. Just take leap and offset all the numbers so that the the devs have to look at why it's being prioritized. That's it. There we go. <laughs> Just force it force it through the community. You're right. If if you pick leap, upload to your community websites like Heroes mm-hmm. Profile and Hot Slogs and make sure you are accounted for in those systems. Uh, side jaunt aside. Okay. <laughs> the the standout one that wasn't really a shot caller in their actions or a aggressive player who wasn't a tank in the first place that the team could be built around was Kira. And Kira was listed as a solo lane player. So why would a team lead with their solo lane? Hmm. It might honestly just be the the ability to have map knowledge. I'm I'm thinking like 
Shakir might have a unique style of shot calling where maybe they're shot calling from the solo lane and providing information and then the in-game leader like Collusion or Wit or even Lutano because both the three of them are actually all in-game leaders. But like maybe Kira is just providing supplemental information from the from the solo lane and then these other ones are just making the plays around the map. I I don't know. I, or, or they could just say this. They could just say... We want a strong solo lane so that we don't lose the solo lane, and then we'll build a core four afterwards. And that's a possibility as well. Like solo lane, I always make this joke, but it is literally 4D chess. Like that solo lane has so many ins and outs and, and little bits and just tips and tricks and freezing the lane and pushing the lane and playing aggressive and just literally sitting in and just letting it naturally push. There's so many little things you can do that, that can play into the other players, not only in just the actual play style and skill, but the hero matchup too. So I think Cure's knowledge of the solo lane is really what they wanted. And then they were just going to build a really strong rest of the composition. And they absolutely did within, you know, Lutano, Wit, Collusion, Hostie, and Noah. I'm certainly not putting down Cure. They've been a part of Heroes of the Dorm, oh, sure. HCC. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, they have been around. They are content creating, so they're going to be good for the organization in the first place. And right after that, it felt like the solo lanes started getting really squeezed. People picked up their tanks because I think they wanted their input so they could have the team put together based on what the shot caller might want and start these dialogues with the players they're picking up. But when you scroll through the available 200 some odd, what do we got here? We got a, uh, you guys went 200 through, plus free agents. Yeah, 208 <laughs> players. You can scroll for quite a bit and see all the ranged assassins who signed, signed up. You can even scroll for a little bit, see a full page of healers, uh, mostly a full page of tanks. Solo lane is a little smaller, but it's interesting how many big names were in that list. I think with solo lane, especially in the higher tiers that we have master grandmaster, I really think that is it, it's one of the hardest lanes to play. I really do. Because um, in, in a core four, you have someone that can kind of help you out. In a solo lane matchup, if you make a misstep, you only have yourself to blame realistically. In, in, and you only have yourself to save as well, unless you have a rotation coming from your team. But that's rare. And so my whole point is stands in this. Let's say you're in the core four. You got an Andu and healer. You're gray main. You dive in too deep and you think you can get the kill on the Lee Ming, but she blinks away because you thought she already used it, but she got a reset or whatever. You're now too far away. That's your mistake. In a solo lane, you're dead because the team turns or the player turns because you've overextended into the lane. In a core four, Andu and pulls you with a leap of faith. Anna throws a sleep dart. You have Stuke off a flaying swipe or lurking arm. There's a lot of utility. So I think the solo lane, picking up someone that knows how to play it, someone who's experienced in it and knows the matchups is a high priority. And that's why I think we're seeing a lot of round one, round two, excuse me, a lot of round two picks on the solo lane. But that cure one, I think that's the reason we saw the priority so early for simplicity. It is interesting, too, how late most healer picks were in that regard. Uh, some, uh, it looks like crowd control even saved their final, final pick yeah. for the support role healer. Um, <laughs> I'm looking, I'm sorry. I'm still looking at June and I'm thinking about Grubby's comment, which was sidestep Kings picks June. And then June walks in the room and, and, and Grubby just goes, what if you didn't pick June? What if someone else grabbed June beforehand? And you didn't get your roommate. He'd be like, oh, an awkward, but it didn't happen. It's like, well, true, <laughs> but oh, that's so nerve wracking. But I think. It can be the same thing uh, a little bit like um, what I said about solo lane, but I think it's just it's less of a priority because everyone has their own idea of what they want to grab. And there are so many good he healer 
players to to actually draft that I don't think it was as limited. I think the 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 limited was very very experienced and skilled tanks and very very experienced and skilled solo lane players as well. And then I think the kind of the the sprinkling on top of that was just grabbing some sort of assassin player that is in that that realm as well. A good example is Lobber being stolen literally by crowd control because we had Granite Gaming come on screen like as the next pick in the draft. And Joy just goes, well, our first pick was stolen away from us, so we're going to grab Nick. So, yeah, it's um, it's it's a lot of that little stuff. So I think it was there was priority onto very, very experienced people. And that's when the 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 supports weren't they kind of fell to the side because I think there was a lot more priority onto these these playmaking roles, if you will. That makes perfect sense. And certainly as a team, I don't want to worry about my solo lane. That is it's, it's such a weird fallacy because. I need someone amazing, but I don't really want to hear from you unless you're <laughs> going to join the fight. Like, I've, I've been in situations where they're like, oh, uh, X is on cooldown. I'm like, thanks up there. I don't, what am I going to do with that information? Like, all I need to know is I'm going to grab mid. So perfect. Thank you. We're going to stay bottom. Awesome. I'm going to rotate for a fight. Awesome. Thank you. Mm-hmm. But otherwise, or it's, or it's just, I got this kill. And just like that, like that, that's the stuff I want to yeah. hear. But like, there are, there, which is which is heavily weighted though, because we all on Braxus, <laughs> uh, we're all busting our buns. But mm-hmm. solo lane, it might have been the easiast kill in the world. But we're all like, hey, all right. <laughs> Do you know what? I want to I want to take one quick second and and actually reference something from a episode from Into the Nexus ages ago. Before I moved out west, this is four years ago at this point. Oh, wow! And I learned it from you guys, and I still do it to this day. Be a cheerleader for your team, regardless of how easy something was, how minimal it was. If someone does something that that causes your team to have an advantage, whether it be a kill, whether it be a counter counter kill or you know something like that, cheer for them, especially in Storm League, because someone who gets a compliment is your best friend. That's my only two cents, though. Be a cheerleader. Actually, riding with that thought. Are there any there are teams that seem like they really invested a lot of their draft in that synergy of friendship powers yes, communication yes. are there any teams that you feel like just just grabbed up stars don't just oh granite 100 yeah. uh granite granite without a doubt because i've done research into this but well obviously there's swamp grata who played on granite gaming there's henning who played on granite gaming and you've also got um bad benny who played on granite gaming those are already players who know each other very well. And then from a little bit of research I did, I'm not mistaken that Nick and Bad Benny have played in the past together on a professional team as well. So there's already four people, excuse me, there's three people on the team who are playing that know each other. The, the, the coach knows these players. I, I think Granite Gaming has one of the most synergistic, friendly compositions. Obviously, you know, like Sidestep Kings, there's Cattle and June and Kyocha and Hyde. And so there's there's already those ones as well. I think there's a lot of community meshing. There's a lot of ex-pros meshing. But I personally think that Granite Gaming got the the most friendship-based composition or team together. Because I think they're also all European boys outside of Nintori. I think Nintori's and... Right, they have three three Swedish players, I believe. So I think so, yeah. Skoog, I think, is Swedish as well. I can't remember. I think Svampgrata, Henning are Swedish. I think Nick's German. Yeah, Nick's German. I think Skoog is the other Swedish one. But either way, there's also going to be uh, verbal communication uh, benefits from that as well. 
Yeah, and let's let's follow that thread. And you mentioned sidestep kings who yeah. drafted all over the world. Oh God, yeah, which is awesome, but also mm-hmm. scary because of ping. But nobody cared. Everyone was basically like, well, we know our players are so amazing that they'll compensate. That was actually our biggest concern. When we started Hero CCL, we originally had Hero CCL as a North American event only. We were like, we're going to start small, super small, but like big, but small. And then everyone was like, but I'll play. And we were like, but what about your ping? And they were like, I don't care about my ping. And then all of us were like, oh, the orgs are going to care about the ping. And then literally we get into the draft and every single org we talked to and we asked inside Sip Kings was one of them. We're like, do you care about ping? They're like, nah, we watch them in in-houses. They're fine. So apparently that's not an issue. Um, CCL is in our rule book. It is stated that we do try and push and we do our best and as much as we can to get it to central. Unfortunately, and here's the storm. You do not have the option to literally set it to central anymore. It's just it throws you the weird thing i live more west than la and i get more central than some people but like cattle for example will typically get west and he lives like greater la area so hmm. i personally have a, i have a thought that at least when it comes to uh like storm league and stuff i think there might be some sort of consideration into your actual rank into the region that it puts you into but that's my own tinfoil theory on that Whoa, are you, are you saying that like <laughs> West is better than East or more no, I'm skill? Saying, I'm saying if you're if you're a uh, a high tier player, the ser- you'll get a priority on you to the server based on your location. So oh, okay. if I was still li- if I if I let's say I was Grandmaster Bahamut huh, and I uh, still lived in Michigan, I still lived in Detroit, I would maybe get priority into Central or if I was the same thing, but I lived in uh tahoe like i do which is the west coast i would get west servers but that's just my tinfoil theory on is that your rank has a little bit of a priority in your games it would make sense we if there was a headquarters and i've seen pictures of the overwatch headquarters that thing is awesome with all the screens and everything they have going on it looks like nasa they see all the servers little waves going i saw the room through a window once (laughs) but i wasn't allowed to go in because art was on the wall of the new heroes at the time so they didn't want to see any of that but i love the idea that they're like we got a gold league nazebo and they're like ah (laughs) <laughs> he doesn't need. He doesn't need good ping. Put him. Put him on West send, Coast. Send him to Korea. Send yeah, him to Korea. It's but he's fine. in Florida. Send it, him to Korea. <laughs> Brazil needs game. Send the Nazebo to Brazil. <laughs> yes. He'll be fine. The toes can still bounce. They'll hit somebody eventually. <laughs> if you, so, if, continuing this thought, if you were to yes. assign a personality to each team, let's go with Chili Mountain. What sort of team did they build? Oh God. Uh. Because you got Fury, who I- I'm familiar with. Who I, think, is... I think they honestly built around Fury. Yeah, I think they really did. And, and it's, it, this is just going to be, this is going to be Fury's terrifying time. Like, it's just going to be like, Fury's going to come out and be like, all right, boys, we're going we're gonna to start out with uh, main tank Uther, who's playing Ana, we need a Kerrigan. And I mean, their draft, they can absolutely do it. Like, Maka can easily do it. Uh, Dark Chimera can easily play the, the Ana right there. I, I think, I think Chili Mountain... It's, it's going to be a fun team where I think we're going to see a little bit of um, weird science happen, I guess you could say. I, I, yeah, quick picks, but they're mm-hmm. all a little uh, combo-y in a don't-do-it-at-home way. Yeah, I think like, like Dark Mock could be, taking, it could be doing some unique stuff. And yeah, I, 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 w- w- looking at the team, though, I think, I think they're going to try and do a lot of unique and weird stuff, especially because Fury really likes to do unique and weird stuff. Wild Heart Esports. Mm. 
I honestly, they're they're probably the most undervalued team uh, in CCL. Like I, I was saying it before the draft even happened. I think that they're going to be one of the underdogs of the league, and I think that they're going to really make a name for themselves. And I think they got a great draft with a lot of fun players. Also, is it? I think it's the only team that drafted two. No, no, no. Chili Mountain did as well. The uh, team that drafted two uh, solo lanes and two supports as well. I'm just not really realizing it. They only have technically one. Uh, assassin assigned player but i'm sure they got a bit of a flex in there with a few yeah i wouldn't be surprised if any uh high rank healer players haven't dabbled in assassin and other <laughs> roles in order to get up the storm league and whatnot but uh do you know anything about unaverted i'm not very familiar with this player it looks uh, like they're unaverted set to carry that's uh it's range assassin community player they've just done grassroots league stuff if i'm not mistaken they might have been around for open division in the race that everyone was going for that i think they might have played in some of those games but i can't 100 percent recall because it was like it was like two years at this point sure. but um they're, they're definitely they've been around they're a strong player i for some reason Greymane stands out to me for them but that can be said for a lot of players as well crowd control it sounded like they just want to live up to their name <laughs> Uh, honestly, with 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 Turk's direction, yes, they they literally were just like, oh yeah, we just want to have this crazy CC composition. Also, to note, one of the only teams to draft. Nope, I as I was about to say, they were actually another team. Granite Gaming grabbed two uh, tank players, but Crowd Control actually grabbed two tank players fairly early on. Um, I think this is also a little bit of direction from Lobber too. I think there was a uh, like Crowd Control. I know for a fact. In their interview, they're like the the one to one interview I did with Turk. He was saying is like the moment I draft someone, I'm pulling them into comms with me. So they're going to we're literally going to build the team together. So all of this is like players asking for certain things. So it's crazy. It's crazy that like Hebby though got to the end. Like that that's the one weird thing for me is that they literally left their healers at the end, like you noted beforehand, and they went for a community healer in that Hebby. Which nothing against them. Actually, everything towards them. They're an amazing healer. I've casted them a ton of times. And they've got an awesome, awesome healer pool that just stands out. And I'm excited to see them take their shot at this. That sounds like the strategy, a, a valuable unknown, perhaps, that you were able to I save so. late. So who's the, mm -hmm. who's the wild card sitting out then? Because you got the healer last. You got a melee assassin, which is pretty rare for anyone in this tournament. About eight people or so listed themselves as a melee mm -hmm. assassin main. And you got the double tanks. Wait. Who do you not run here? I just assume because of the name and Turk's excitement that there will always be two tanks, even if one is Uther. I feel like you're right in that. I feel like we might see just like this massive frontline, just mega hyper carry on one. I don't know. I, I, I really like I keep looking at this and I'm like the, the the possibilities for crowd controls, like drafts on actual competition days are going to be very interesting and a little wild, I think. And the wild card in all of this is probably going to be Rutzo and Crowd Control. I think they're going to be the most unique because I think they're listed as Flex. I might be wrong in that. Let's see. Rutzo, yeah, me Melee DPS for them. Oh, it is Melee DPS. Yeah. Okay, sorry. So, mm -hmm. but which could mean Flex because honestly, they have <laughs> about three viable heroes. To, and I won't say which ones just so no everyone thinks it's there. So we'll just kind of leave that nebulous. Mm -hmm. But... The melee pool has shrunk as we've increased the bruiser pool. Mm-hmm. Simplicity. <sighs> did they did they remake Simplicity? <laughs> I, 
I'm actually hold on. I need to look this up actually because I don't know. Um, because uh, they're hot. the ones. There's the ones who's led with Cure. Mm-hmm. But otherwise, I'm just not familiar with it, though I've heard Wit a lot. I've heard about their tank player. So just just we'll run through this really quickly. Former squad for simplicity. Uh, and it looks like this was the last squad they had was Justing's, Justing, Buds, Goku, Draded, and Tomster. Okay. Um, now, in previous, the former was, there was Zuna was on there, Tiger JK was on there, Hosty was on there, K1 Pro, King Caffeine, Prismaticism, and Urho. Oh, so they, they actually kind of lost some of their picks. They may have been going for it, but all those were pretty valuable. Yeah, I think, I think they could have, um... If I'm not mistaken, because I was actually just I was on their Liquipedia site, so it's public information. So I don't think I'm leaking anything uh, and it might be just be out of date. But if I saw that correct, Yuge might be their actual coach. If I it might be a past information that I because I, I, I closed the tab, but it might be showing that Yuge is actually the coach for simplicity. So if that is true, that's actually crazy cool as well, because I think there's there's going to be synergies from a few of those players with that uh, coach as well. 30K, which. In draft, their personality looks like the team that Mike Udall built because it's very yeah. explosive. <laughs> oh, it is. Oh, it is. It's just it's just a lot of wild firing from the side, jumping over the walls, ranged assassins. I think I think you asked me at the start of this, like if I could associate like a, a theme or or something with each org. 30K would just be an exploding emote. That's all it is. It's just mm. it's I think they are a bursty they have got a lot of really good heroes and i was saying this actually in a video i put out uh, we put out today sidestep kings and 30k are neck and neck for the number one spot i really i really can't i can't put one over the other i really don't know it constantly is just like well it's this well it's this well it's this so like i i don't 100 know who i put over the other but 30k has an insane roster and the big note for me specifically is breakwood uh, one of the many community members that i keep mentioning got their shot at this and they're going to be coming in here as well and breakwood a strong reigns assassin with really really good um really really good plays during the exhibition weekends i think there was actually a losing game they had where they still had just insane damage output and very low deaths like they were they weren't i hope this isn't rude to say but it's like they weren't the reason they lost but they definitely fought back against the enemy team enemy team really really well Hey, you'll find no arguments in Breakwood Amazing here. <laughs> yeah. She was part of my NGS and Heroes Lounge team. Mm-hmm. And I loved wor- working with her. She's off to the CCL, so our team has left. We have, we have disbanded because the shoes were so big to fill. After five months of practice together, we just went, this is going to take a whole restructuring. We can't in one weekend just say, all right, <laughs> see, you, see you, Team Captain <laughs> Breakwood. Thanks for everything. Well, we'll find someone to replace you. No big deal. Oh, she's, she's amazing. She has a huge hero pool. Oh, yeah. And her Li Ming, of course, being the main feature, as well as the Kerrigan and everything else. I'm just excited to root for her over there. Mm-hmm. And uh, from what I've found is Mike Udall is slamming the practice. He oh, is, God, yeah. He is working them uh, to the bone. They're actually, they made, uh, him and Turk made a bet after the draft show because i was like jumping like i was doing post stats after the draft show and i was jumping around different people's streams just to see what they're saying because it was obviously the, the draft blah blah people were celebrating and um turk came into udall stream 
and was just like they were just like talking to each other and then eventually turk was just, or, uh, udal was just like i bet you 10 gifted subs my team beats yours in a best of five scrim and so they scheduled it, and that's literally happening so uh yeah nice. that is that is something that I'm, I'm excited to check out myself but yeah it's on the note of scrims and you're saying that you know udal's hitting it hard that makes sense but the one thing i also want to point out here is that I love that it's creating new content. It's creating all of these things that we can all watch and we can all be excited for it and it amps up this entire. And this, this is all just in preparation for the icebreaker tournament. Like they're literally doing scrims the week before and, and placing bets because they're already this competitive. It's I, I see these things. I read these things and all I can do is smile and be excited for, for the CCL upcoming season. I'm just happy subs are the the currency being exchanged here. What a wild mm-hmm. world we Ended up living in. Uh, mm-hmm. Who would have thought Thoughtbot and Alakazam websites would all lead to this <laughs> in the end? Oh my goodness! Uh, the final. We already mentioned a little bit of Sidestep yeah. Kings and talked about Granite Gaming, Oxygen Esports. Mm-hmm. What it's what do they got? I got a th- Prismaticism. That's that's a big one for me. And we talked about this a little bit beforehand. Prismaticism, Nasmus, Banana. Those are all amazing, really well experienced players. And they have Madra, Red Robot, and Cascon, which I think are a little bit more of the newer blood, the, the young bloods, if you will. And this, these, these, the old guard is, I think, going to teach them a few things. And you mentioned earlier, I think the, these, these young boys are going are gonna to come in here and be like, well, have you thought about running this? And they're just like, no, that doesn't. Wait a minute. <laughs> so there's a possibility for it. I think Oxygen has, um, looking at literally this kind of divide, I think they've got a lot of growth and uh, ex- already... Mm, I'm trying to think of the word for it, but they have a lot of growth potential and they already have a lot of experience, but there's experience that challenges experience, if that makes sense. Like the young experience versus the old experience and, and how you can blend those together and create amazing, amazing composition. Good rundown. I like that. Uh, of course, for anybody just, you know, getting interested, if you join this game after HGC's uh, demise, this is going to, uh, esports is a lot of names. But I hope this segment, the show, kind of gave you some curiosities. At least you might recognize the name we talked about. And certainly the organizations are probably going to be the easiest thing to follow since these will be set going into the tournament. Now, I do want to note one really quick thing on just yeah. all of that. Uh, we want you all to know that like Blizzard's not involved in this. We literally had to go to Blizzard to get a tournament license to do this. They know that we're doing it. They're like, they, they're like cool, do it. Um, but we have asked. We're, we've asked about launchers. We've asked about twits or uh, t- uh, tweets and stuff like that. It's it's this is Hero CCL presented by Roll Twenty. This is Noah Blizzard involvement. So we just want to make sure that you all understand. It's like the pricing. It's not coming from them. The the assets, everything. It's all us. And we just want you to understand that it's not like we're trying to brag. We just want you to understand that at the end of the day. This is us trying to do as much as we can for the Heroes of the Storm community as our own community. We're trying to elevate esports and bring you what you all desire and keep asking for. So that was the last little note that I wanted to make, at least on the Hero CCL. That, that's a very important note. And I think that is the safest way to go about it right now. There has been a lot of fear of getting Blizzard involved. And once they, as they've shown in the past, sometimes they put a toe in that water and then they let the whole body fall in and ride the slide down. Like it, there would be fears at this point mm-hmm. if Blizzard was heavily supporting or heavily involved. That doesn't mean we wouldn't all love to see a little launcher action, a little bit of, you know, oh, retweeting and, and uh, yeah. posting on the Twitch page, but I like that you guys are pioneering without them. 
it means you get to be your own thing in control of yep. your own thing. And that's what we want at the end of the day is we want this to be the best thing we can for the Here's the Storm community. Uh, a good example of how we look and listen is a lot of players have just, and, and I'll say this, and, and if this is leak, I'll, I might get uh, chastised for it, but the players are literally coming to us and saying, we don't like the current band pool or the, the current way the band system works. We want to adjust it to this. And they proposed something to us. And so we took that and then we went to the org owners and we said, hey, here's something to discuss. We discussed it and we're putting it to a vote. So we listen to what you're all saying and this is and we're listening to the players, but we're also listening to the community. So we understand that you, you all want more and all this. But at the end of the day, season one has to be killer for us to have a season two. So on that note, Yes, we want to do merch. Yes, we want to do all these cool things. But first things first, we got to actually have the show be good for all of you. And that's that's the biggest factor. I, it's awesome that there's that much excitement already. But yes, yeah, so mm -hmm. for your own sanity, I guess we can ask everyone in the audience <laughs> to please not bring up CCL World Tour, CCL Ultimate Global Throwdown <laughs> Season 7. You, Kyle, Kyle, I told you, you can't leak these oh, things. That's, they're such good names. They're such good they names. Are. I apologize for giving them out so freely. <laughs> is there uh, one thing people want to know, though, because they want to help? What yeah. is the metric for you all? Is it a prize pool reaching a certain goal? Is it viewership numbers? How do you know CCL is a success when you get there? I mean, at the end of the day, the success, at least in my eyes, is... Did the community like what we put out? Obviously, numbers are numbers. Money is money. But for me, at least... At the end of the day, if like here's here's a great example, because I literally I literally was like bawling after reading this. There was a uh, a whole Reddit post uh, right after the CCL draft and like all of us were reading it on the management side and we were just blown away by how much they loved it, how much they enjoyed it. And it's that at the end of the day is that's our goal. We want that feeling to be in people's hearts and in their minds is like, yes, we want to make money. Yes, we like, yes, we want to have season two and we have to have viewership and all that kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, it's the community. That's what we want. The biggest metric is you all is is coming to these 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 events and watching them, whether it be on Twitch, Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, Yik Yak, TikTok, wherever you can watch it, like supporting is the biggest thing. And so that's that's at least my answer is just it's is as long as we give you all the feeling of the esport and that that passion and the, and the desire to watch and cheer people on and and cheer for a team and have that team and be like oh it's saturday my sidestep kings are playing like that's what we want at the end of the day that's that's the goal for ccl and if blizzard happens to put in ccl sprays in the next content patch that'd be that'd be nice hey uh blizzard hit us up we maybe have them already made you could just like i don't know Copy and put them in the game. I don't know. There might I don't be know how a, hard it is to armchair develop. <laughs> there might be a pile of graphics already created for all these teams. That would be quite... I mean, you need banner ideas, right? Like, those are easy to make, surely. Everything I we've can. learned about banners, I assume they're easy to make. As someone who's never created a game in their entire life, this should be a four-second implementation. You can patch it. No done. Easy. No problem. All right. Where can people find this content this weekend? The channel? The Twitter? We want to... We Get those numbers up. We want all the subscribes we can get. Uh, so you can watch it. We simultaneously cast it on Twitch, Twitter, and YouTube. I, I actually wasn't joking about that. We literally actually do stream it on those three platforms. Um, Twitch is obviously the easiest way to come by, but it's whatever your preference is realistically. And for anyone that's wondering, well, yes, okay, cool. I know where to go. What time? Obviously, it's going to be a little 
difficult this weekend because we have the thing that everyone loves, which is time zone changes. So uh, Saturday, it's going to be 1 o'clock PDT, 4 o'clock EDT, 10 p.m. CEST. So that's going to be Central European Summertime. On Sunday, we have it starting at 1 o'clock PDT, 4 o'clock EDT, and then 9 p.m. CEST. ET, which is going to be, they drop the summertime, so it actually moves one hour. We have this awkward, like, it's not going to be an issue for week one for CCL, but it's just this weekend where it's a little weird for some of our European viewers, as well as our players, which we were, like, weeks out. Of our, we already told the players about this, but um, yeah, so that's that's the only little awkward thing, but it's going to be on the Heroes Hearth YouTube, the Heroes Hearth Twitter page. I think it should be pinned to the top of our Twitter page, and then, obviously, it'll be on uh, twitch.tv slash Heroes Hearth. One question, and this is just for me. Sure. The, the, home, the home player. What hero's stock do you think is going to skyrocket when we see organized play shown at this level again? I think we're going to see a high priority into Greymane again. I think there's going to be a wonderful showcase of them when it comes to assassins. For healers, uh, I'd expect Decker Kane Ana to be popping up more when it comes to tanks. I think it'll be a toss-up between Garrosh and ETC. And then for solo lane, I think we're going to be seeing a lot of Leoric, but Malthiel and Urel are probably going to be up there as well, because I think those three kind of like to synergistically brawl each other in a sense. So uh, at least role-wise, quickly going through, I think those are going to be our top priorities, at least in stock after our exhibition weekends. Awesome. Or excuse me, our, our icebreaker weekends. <laughs> this was wonderful. Now, now for, forget all that for a moment. And Bahamut, where can people find you? You, just oh. you, Bahamut. Easy enough. You can find me Twitch, Twitter, and YouTube at Bahamut Gaming. Um, I do a lot of Here's the Storm content. I love this game. I love the community. I love all of you. And that's all I like to do. You also did fabulous oil paintings <laughs> this past weekend, which I enjoyed. Yeah, watching. yeah. I have, um, I have a monthly sub goal. And if I hit it, I do a Baja Ross. And I have a little afro that I yeah, put on. Nice. And uh, we, we follow along with a Bob Ross episode. And I, it's a 20-minute episode. And they average take me three hours to do. But as people are telling me, I do an okay bang up job you on, did a on really on those. good job. <laughs> that was really so, good. So those are those are fun. Yeah, we we have we got one of those coming in November. And as a little side note, um, I actually hit my Falstead sub goal. So we have a Falstead cosplay stream coming. <laughs> and then we also hit our Decker Kane cosplay goal. So we're gonna be doing a Decker Kane cosplay stream. And 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 it's not gonna be just me like pulling my beard down and putting powder on it. Like I have a friend who does moulage or like uh, movie makeup. So they're going to do like scarring and stuff like that. So yeah, it's supposed to look pretty good. So I'm excited for those ones. They'll be like November, December when those come out. But yeah, it's uh little things like that as we just do a lot of here's the storm stuff. Awesome. Awesome. Well, always enjoyed having you cast our matches and uh, signups for here's Lounge are coming up real fast. So we'll, we'll be around. I'm excited to talk about it. I'm excited to talk about it. I'm going to mm -hmm. keep playing that organized stuff. I really, really enjoy it. Uh, before I end. One more shout out to the patrons over at patreon.com slash ITN. Thank you to our producers, Declan H, Cheesy Bob, Chris K, Mike C, Sean B. T-shirts are available at t-shirts.amutv. Catch the live show every Thursday at noon Pacific time, most of the time. When we have guests, we're pretty good about it. When we don't have guests, Garrett and I kind of, well, we play the video game, so we run a little late. <laughs> uh, follow the show over on Twitter at ITNcast. And thank you to Gorath and Brian Griffith for the music which I'm going to hit right now. You can find me over at twitch.tv slash Kyle Ferguson. I'll see y'all next week. Bye now. Bye-bye. <laughs>